Hey everyone, <laughs> this is uh, this is weird, isn't it? Uh, it's Will here, Elwood City Limits, and uh, just wanted to start this episode by saying that you know, this is weird, it's unusual, and it's definitely not how things ought to be. But unfortunately, it's the way they are. So we want to be here to entertain you, but I just wanted to say up top. I hope that no matter what your situation is, that you're okay, that you're staying safe, that where you can, you're socially isolating. I hope that you're able to do that, and I hope that you're staying healthy. And we both do. Lucas is here with me, too, obviously. That's right. Well, not in the same physical location. We are, luckily, we practice social isolation every week. Mm. So, <laughs> by by recording the show remotely via Skype. So, uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of why this is nice, Will, is because it's like, aw, a little bit of our old routine. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but with, as you said, routines being disrupted with, you know, life being interrupted, I know that that's really hard. I've gone through my own kind of struggling with it as well. So if you feel like you're struggling or if you feel like you need someone to talk to, you can always email or message the podcast. It's usually me who runs the social media, so you'll be talking to me. Um, but if you feel like you need someone to talk to, we are there as well. If you're on the Patreon uh, you can use the Discord anytime you like, and a lot of our patrons have been doing that. So if you need someone to reach out to, uh, please feel free to. Or otherwise, try and keep your ties close with your family and friends. If you can't be with them physically, then call them, message them, have a Skype date mm-hmm. with them. And uh, yeah, I really hope that you're doing well. Lucas, I really, really want to talk about Arthur <laughs> right now. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to talk about Arthur? It sure would, pal. Arthur, there's, and, but I, I, before we move on, just to get all this out of the yeah. way, you know, everything Will said, social distancing, hashtag flatten the curve, uh, you know, practice, be a, be, a, be a hero, don't go outside, you know. But, like Will said, um, I've been kind of making an effort to talk to my friends more than I usually do throughout the mm-hmm. week v- via sort of we've made our own little Discord chat. And uh, last night we watched... Um, we use that Netflix party time thing Oh, okay. that like, uh, uh, it's like a Chrome extension that remotely syncs up all of your Netflix. Mm-hmm. So you can all kind of watch the same movie at the same time. Uh, so, uh, we watched and we wanted to pick a movie that we could talk over. So we watched ready player one, which is not Ugh, very good. Barf. Uh, yeah, believe, believe and, it or uh, not, the movie's better than the book. Uh, you know what? I thought the same thing. I I am in agreement. It's it turns out um, when your whole shtick is predicated on remember this, it's better to see it than to hear someone uh, sort of just cringingly listing. Yes. Uh, uh, so, but yes, not a good movie, but a great experience hanging out with my friends virtually. Um, and I hope to continue to do that. We're recording this on a Thursday, so we're still pre-Animal Crossing. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the big guiding lights, this kind of sort of world of darkness. That's me being dramatic. It's actually... Listen, things... Uh, everybody, uh, you know, make the best of, of sort of this odd situation. All that being said, I am looking forward to Animal Crossing, and I'm hoping that uh, that provides some much-needed sort of community simulation. Agreed. But without further ado, uh, another great simulation of uh, a community is of course the Elwood city limits community and this podcast and Arthur. That's right. And you know what? I, I, I couldn't have asked for better. This is a great week to answer emails and we actually have a lot of emails. So I say we should, uh, 
look at what the what the what the people are saying to us over at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com, which is a great way to reach out and uh, talk to us about practically any I, old I'm thing. I'm nothing if not a man of the people, Will. <laughs> uh, let's go to our first one. It's called Favorite Impression from James, who says, the question is, what is your favorite, what are your favorite impressions to do? My favorite is when Will does Mr. Plinkett and Whitey, and when Lucas does his Trump impression. Who's, which one's, which one's Whitey? Am I? Whitey? I don't remember what Whitey, is that, could that be a spelling yeah, uh, typo? Yeah, might be, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Uh, okay, his so favorite impression to do, um, oh, what's the one I do? Oh, well, well, Bane. We do the we've done the Bane one a we lot. Do the Bane, now. yeah. We're two straight white guys with a podcast. <laughs> we we like to do the Bane impression. Um, you hmm. you you've gotten compliments on your Bernie. No, see the Bernie's bad. I I I I'm way less confident busting out the Bernie no warm up. Like I feel like the Bernie is something like I have to uh uh like have watched a video with him recently. Okay. To like to to be able to really hit the birdie home. I mean, my my Trump is bad. All my impressions are bad to an extent, but it's just you know how entertainingly, like um, the Trump impression is more of an impression of an impression. It's really just kind of like doing Jesus and Barrow's impression <laughs> of Trump. Yeah. Uh. Uh. But it it is it is one that especially like um people who aren't so plugged in when I do the the Trump impression to boomers it kills. They love that thing. <laughs> um. Hmm, what else do I like doing? I do like presidents. Like, I like doing Barack Obama. I like doing Bill Clinton. Um, hmm. I have so many. It's it's funny. You put me at the top of my head. I I love as bad as they could be. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. They're very, very bad. Uh, I love doing impressions regardless, no matter how, you know, successfully I execute upon them. I think me and my friends, I, I have this one friend, actually my soon-to-be roommate, and he loves like British rap music. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, that's been a pretty common one lately. Just you know, we see each other and we go wagwan B. Why are you moving bad, fam? Why are you moving hella bookie? <laughs> you know. Yeah. You uh, you also you also uh, man's ever been to the marquee when it shut down, eh? Trust me, daddy. You also like uh, the New York accent, as many of us do. Yeah, but again, I feel like you're so much better at that one than I am. That's uh, that's mine's hit and miss. I would love to be uh, like a Jamaican dancehall uh, DJ, like oh, yeah. um, like pat like patois, like Chet Hanks. Um, <laughs> Chet, you know, less problematic, uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, less problematic, I suppose. Yeah, I, I I guess that's why I'm apprehensive of doing it right now. <laughs> uh, but just picture Chet Hanks, and I I I, I like that accent. Um, but yeah, there's one I don't think I've ever done on the podcast that I actually really like doing, and it's uh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, my friend, I've my my barber Liam, uh, does one of the funniest Stone Cold Steve Austin accents, uh, I, I've ever heard. It's one of those accents where he's basically got like three phrases that he just like repeats over and but over it, again, but he's got, where a, he's he's just got him like, down. Yeah, where he's just like, Oh, stop a butthole in your ass. Yeah, oh, I mean, like, yeah, what. Or, like, if he's you got, put like, the letter S in front of the word Hitman, you get my exact opinion of Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bret Hart on yeah. his best day can't lace my boots. You know, it's just really fun to do. Like, Stone Cold had a lot of really fun turns of phrase. 
Oh, yeah. If we're getting into wrestlers, I mean, like, I used to do Macho Man all the time. The problem mm. is it puts a kink in my neck because I have to <laughs> tense up my whole body talking about a cup of coffee and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and all that jazz. Again, again I, feel, I feel like, again, straight white males of the podcast, both of us have a Randy Savage that we can do. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Impressions are fun, Will. I always loved impressions. Definitely. I, uh, I got to say, I was taken down a peg, though, a couple of years ago. College Humor did, like, a, um, the impressions that all guys do at parties. And it was like, I was I felt very seen at that moment. It's a very funny sketch. But I was like, uh-oh. I guess I'm not as unique as I thought I was. Uh, our next one goes to, or comes from, Lion Dogs NXA. I've uh, been looking, enjoying your look through season nine, especially since this is a season I grew up watching. I have fond memories watching episode like Castles in the Sky, Arthur weighs in, Binky goes nuts, and more. I remember you guys were disappointed with season eight, but I guarantee you guys season nine will be one of the better seasons of the show so far. In the episode Mudacrude, Lucas talking about him shaking his Poke Walker reminds me of shaking my 3DS to get play coins to buy fortune cookies in Animal Crossing. Speaking of Animal Crossing. Speaking of Animal Crossing. Did somebody say Animal Crossing? <laughs> Moving on to your most recent episode, there was an interesting trivial tidbit you didn't catch. In the cold opening with Buster's Food, the pizza is named Ray. This is possibly a reference to Ray's Pizza, one of the first pizza restaurants in New York. You know, I bet you're right. Finally, you've seen both Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog. Can we assume th- that your next Patreon goal will be seeing the Monster Hunter movie? Oh, yeah. What do you guys think of the posters for it? The Monster Hunter movie. Hmm. So, so Will, um, I think I've developed uh, – now, I, 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 I actually have to pick my language lightly because I was going to say develop a sickness, but given current events, I'm going to avoid that kind of nomenclature and instead say I've, I've developed this weird neuroses uh, where I don't know what happened. I never used to be this guy who goes to see all these video game movies, but something in Detective Pikachu, like, broke my brain, <laughs> and now – I've like the only movies I see in theaters are these video game adaptations. I have already made pl- like if if it comes out, you know, all things considered, a lot of movies are getting delayed. Uh, if it comes out, I will be seeing the Monster Hunter film in theaters. Yeah, I mean, uh, if as far as it goes for Patreon, we we were kind of having the discussion of I think we might have even had it on the show, so forgive me if we have. Um, I'm I'm not, I'm thinking of straying away a little bit from like. Patreon goals will do this. Um, I feel like the next time something comes around, like a Detective Pikachu or a Sonic the Hedgehog, we'll probably just go see it and put it on Patreon. That way, you know, we don't have to, like, hold it over your guys' heads. That said, I think Monster Hunters, like, it's not that, that we, for me, it wasn't that, like, Sonic the Hedgehog and Pikachu were, like, it wasn't we saw them because they were video game movies. They're they're video games, but it was more like they're also the t- there's also the tie there to like Saturday morning cartoon to cartoons really. So I I mean I uh, I'd say probably not in terms of a Monster Hunter Patreon review. I mean I might see it myself and we can talk about it on the show here. Like who knows? But or Lucas, if you see it, feel free to to let us know about it. But uh, probably not its own Patreon episode. In terms of thoughts on the posters, uh, so first of all, Paul W.S. Anderson will. Thoughts on Paul W.S. Anderson. I, for one, don't like the Resident Evil movies very much. I think they're quite bad. Mm. But 
I do have a strong fondness for two of Paul W.S. Anderson's movies. Uh, first of all, I think the Mortal Kombat movie, it, the first one, is the greatest video game movie ever made. Uh, full stop. Lobar. Uh, th- that movie uh, friggin' rules. That movie is so underrated uh, and so stupid and awesome. Uh, and secondly, and I know we've talked about this on the show, I think, many times, but Event Horizon is like... I think better than it. it sure, people talk about it maybe a little bit. Uh, they overrated it a little bit now. Yeah, that's but what, uh, that, that's I, what I, I think that uh, Event Horizon, you know, is kind of better than it has any right to be, uh, for what it is. So I, for I for one, Mila Jovovich, we got Alice back on on back, you know slated in. Uh, back on deck. Uh, she's got the big sword. I, I was seeing in the Monster Hunter community, they were pretty upset. They were like, her sword is not big enough. Uh, oh, no. could be could could be bigger, <laughs> but uh, all that being said, I will be seeing Monster Hunter in theaters. Um, I don't really have an opinion on Paul W S Anderson. You know, I've seen a couple of his movies. Mortal Kombat's all right. Event Horizon, I'm not a fan of, but everybody else is, so it's just me. Resident, I, I think I've seen like all of the Resident Evil movies somehow, and just no. You, well, surely you have. No, there's so many. Uh, I th- like... I think all of them except the last one, because at that point I was like. No. <laughs> But Resident, how many Resident Evil movies are there? Six. Because there's like the one, six? there's like the one where she's in the apocalypse, and then there's the one where okay, it's, it's called apocalypse. Called apocalypse. Um, uh, so six, there's Resident six, Evil. Six, I was right. Also, Paul W. S. Anderson. I thought he made all of them, but it turns out he actually did not make Apocalypse or Extinction. He made uh, Afterlife, Retribution, and the final chapter. God, who could keep track? As, but he also made the first one. So you've seen Resident Evil. You've seen Resident Evil Apocalypse. Yeah. Have you seen Resident Evil Extinction? Okay, that's the one I yes. was thinking of. That's yeah. the one where she's in the desert. Okay. Resident Evil Afterlife 3D. Yeah. Uh, how have you seen these? Well, Resident Evil Retribution. That might have been where I stopped. Okay. And then the, and then uh, I, I know about Resident Evil, the final chapter, because I've watched the Plinket review. Right. Uh, that's one of my favorite, all-time favorite Red Letter Media moments of all, like... Rich, is, rich is laughing for three minutes? Rich rich laughing for three minutes at the end of Resident Evil, the final chapter. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. I just... They're very reliably bad. So, like, if you if you need... If you need fodder, they're there. They're... They wa- they're they also wash, bad they in, like, a weird you. way. Hmm? They're not just... They're, they're also bad in, like, an entertaining yes. way. Like, they're not just boring bad, like a lot of bad movies are. A couple, a couple of them are, but yeah, you're right, for the most part. He made Paul W. S. Anderson made Pompeii. Oh my god! That came and went. Uh, I also the Three Musketeers. I also I tried watching the Three Musketeers and got super bored. Um. So yeah, I don't really have any opinions on him. As boring as that is, I think I think his movies are kind of dull. But also, but also there are parts of it that are you know outlandishly bad. So there is there is that factor. Uh, our next one comes from quote unquote Mary Parker. Uh, hi, Lucas and Will. After uh, watching the podcast, listening to the podcast, I've realized that you guys talk a lot about Migos. My question is, do you guys listen to them, and what is the Arthur connection? Um, I feel like we used to do that a lot more. I don't think we do that as much. We probably talk about Migos. I feel like uh, the trajectory of us talking about Migos is very similar to Migos being the biggest thing in the world. Like, I'm sure when Bad and Bougie was, like, huge. Yeah. Um, all those old, like... 
season three episodes of Elwood City Limits, we're probably talking about Migos quite a you bit. Can probably map, I think you can probably map the trajectory of when we've talked about it, because the first couple times you brought it up, I'm like, what is Migos? Oh, yeah. Like, I think I you introduced me to them. Well, I, I, I think, you know, there was kind of... It, it's funny to watch... You know, over the over the course of this show, how much the landscape of rap music has kind of changed. Where uh, Migos kind of seems old, yeah, now really. and and almost and almost passe. Like that whole mumble rap thing, the the kind of the emo rap and the SoundCloud rap really took over and kind of stole the spotlight. Because um, you don't hear too much about the Migos anymore. No, I don't think the cult the culture three is coming anytime soon. I feel like they kind of came and went in terms of being like the popular guys in rap. I mean, I like a couple of. Well, I I I think that like they still have like that pop rap. Like if there's going to be a Justin Bieber song, yeah. it will feature one of the members of the Migos. Yes, it was. But I think they. What was who was the one of the three that was like back in 2018? I think was on like every single like pop rap. Quavo. Qua- it was Quavo. Take take off? Was it take it was, off? No, it was not take it was definitely not take off. It was Quavo. It was just like, okay. oh, and featuring Quavo. I was like, of course it is. It's a pop song. Yes. A uh like yes, a a uh, DJ Khaled song would often have Quavo. Mm-hmm. Um but no, yeah, I feel like now the references have to be about like if we're gonna stay hip and current, we gotta be talking about like I don't know, even like Lil Nas X, that seems kind yeah, of no. so last summer. Um Whatever is big on TikTok right now, you know, that Roxanne song. That's the weirdest um, thing is that, the, like... The, the renegade dance. Well, so I I have TikTok now, and so I'm, scro- baby. I'm, scro- be, I'm scrolling it, through it like like Vine. I haven't made anything yet, but some like sometimes I'll, like, watch some of these, and they have the song in the background, and I'm just... And then Jenna will be like, oh, yeah, I heard that song on the radio. I'm like, what? TikTok songs make it to the radio? Oh yeah, TikTok is like if you're trying to like be a big hit song for young people, TikTok has made songs. I, I, I guess so. It's just uh, it shows how much I listen to the radio, huh? Uh, our next w- before before we move on from yes, this, well, yeah, yeah. I just got to say one last thing uh, because I did not close the Wikipedia page of Paul W S Anderson movies. Uh-huh. How could we forget the legendary Alien versus Predator? <laughs> uh, easily, I often do. In fact, I did. <laughs> so that's why we didn't talk about it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I uh, here hot take, hot take coming in. Somebody sound the hot take alarm. Alien versus Predator, a top three Paul W S Anderson <laughs> movie with Mortal Kombat and uh, Event Horizon. And, and, and Event Horizon, yeah, I think the Alien versus Predator clutching, locking in that number three spot. I've heard good thing. I've uh, heard some good things about Soldier, the movie he did with Kurt Russell. I might want to check that out someday. Yeah, absolutely. I'll watch anything with Kurt Russell. God, AVP. <laughs> what a what a movie. It's so like, it's, uh, remember the second one? No, I mean, AVP I mean, I do, two? I do, but I never saw it. I remember watching. I never saw it. it either, but I really want to. Like when I hear it described, it sounds like insane. I hear, like, I hear it's it's, like the aliens. I hear it's even worse. Uh, the aliens like running around like a suburban neighborhood. Like what? I remember one of the things I know about that movie is that the lighting is really bad. Like I like from watching uh, a review of it. Like it's really dark. So it uh it keeps consistency with the first movie where you can barely see anything. But the, rather than being for effect, I think it was ineptitude that brought about this oh. darkness. Um. So our next one is from quote unquote Blake Garman. Uh, since you guys live in Nova Scotia. What NHL team do you root for? Okay. Uh, or do you watch any other sports? The reason as to why I'm asking this question is because Nova Scotia is at the far end 
of Canada, I'm guessing. And in an earlier podcast, Lucas said that his stuffed animals were named after Guy Lafleur. Um, okay, uh, NHL teams, Lucas, when the season's normally in. So uh, to, I'm going to give a little bit of you know Nova Scotia sociological context here, because um, there's what team I root for because I'm a weirdo, and then there's what team people around here root for. Sure. So um, to, to give all of our listeners who are not from Nova Scotia the full picture, if you're from here, it, traditionally there's basically three teams, uh, four teams that people would root for from here. Um, and they are either because someone from here plays for them or because they're uh, geographically the closest teams. And so those teams are the Montreal Canadiens, the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, or the Boston Bruins. Uh, or, um, in the case of, it's not geographically close, but Sidney Crosby, of course, is from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, the city of champions. And so, uh, people will root for the Penguins as well because he plays for the Penguins. Yeah. Um, I, uh, grew up in a, in, don't hold this against me, dear listeners, a Montreal Canadiens family. That's what the team my dad roots for. That's why my stuffed animals were going to be called that. Um, personally, and I'm not a huge hockey fan. Um, but if I was to pick a team to be my favorite team, the team I would most like to see succeed and win, I would say it's the Colorado Avalanche. Um, and the reason behind that is that uh, their star player, Nathan McKinnon, went to my high school. And I was actually in a couple of his high school classes. Uh, and so he was a nice enough guy. So I don't know. I, I feel a connection. That's the team I feel the strongest connection with because uh, I, you know, knew their this really famous dude that now plays for them. So hmm. that's, that's my answer. And then of course, for other teams, you know, basketball, it's Toronto Raptors, uh, golden state warriors. I've been following the Pelicans this year before the season got uh, frozen, but pre- predominantly Raptors. Um, and then in, uh, you know, in, in soccer, in, in the, you know, the, the UK league, I'm a fan of, uh, Tottenham Hotspur or also my friend Dunn likes Burnley. Um, and then what other sports are there? Jeez. Uh, I don't really watch football. Don't have a football favorite. Fo- if I, ah, actually, if I had to pick a favorite football team, I'd say the Seahawks. Everyone from around here roots for the Patriots, but I would say the Seahawks. Uh, and then if I was to pick a favorite baseball team, RIP to the Expos, I would have to pick the Blue Jays. Big surprise. Uh, I think that's all the sports, isn't it, Will? I watch me like completely forget you're, one of the most popular You're asking, team you're asking me. You're asking the wrong person, man. Yeah, what about you, Will? So you're not uh, a, a huge sports guy, but do you have a favorite hockey team? I do. Um, it's because they're my dad's favorite team, so I just kind of grew up with their stuff in uh, my house. It's uh, the New York Rangers. I have a New York Rangers sweater. So I no, no, no attachment to players or anything like that, just like the team. I, I like the name. I like the logo. I like the colors. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty much that's where I am with hockey. And, uh, no, I, do, I don't watch any other sports because I have professional wrestling, so I don't need sports. <laughs> uh, we got an email here from MG Bros. Uh, it's not so much an email, more of just a screen grab from a. Uh, it says location of Elwood City. It's a screen grab of a YouTube comment that says Wolverines of Elwood City, Pennsylvania. So uh, while you may think this mystery has been solved, this Elwood City in Pennsylvania is spelled with two L's, not one. So keep looking, dedicated listener. Next one comes in. At least we've uh, sort of eliminated an option, though. Yes, we seem to continue doing that, and maybe even eliminating options uh, that have that have already been proven to be Elwood City. So I feel like this will continue on for as long as we let it. 
Our next one comes in from Catherine. Just wanted to write and say, love the past podcast about lights, camera, opera. As an opera singer, I really connected with this episode. In fact, it was one of my first experiences with opera when I was younger. Carmen is actually one of my favorite operas. I am currently learning the role. I often find myself singing the Arthur lyrics in the practice room instead of the actual French. Also, this episode is one of my favorite, and now a word from us kids, Rodney Guilfrey singing a mini opera about dodgeball was a defining moment of my childhood. I'm sorry we couldn't find that one. Um, this past week has been hard. I lost my pet rat named Mr. Ratburn, actually, and I've been listening to y'all to keep my chin up. Stay safe with all the sickness going around. Catherine, you too. Thank you for the email, and I'm glad that Arthur was able to inspire you in that way. Our next one comes in from Lisa. Uh, for the opera episode last week, I have two vivid memories of this episode when I was watching it with my sister years ago. I remember my sister looking up the opera as I watched it with her. I also remember the word from us kids very vividly. The opera actor Rodney Guilfrey came to a classroom, helped the kids make an opera about dodgeball. Question for you, Lucas. Which season was the one of Arthur that you stopped tuning in? I'm curious on when we will start getting consistent blind reactions from the two of you to some of the more insane moments on the show. So, and I, I, I've touched on this briefly on the show, I think, is that my relationship with Arthur is you were watching it kind of in broadcast order, where uh, I don't, I remember I was watching Arthur like every day, so I think it was well into syndication by the time I was watching it, right. so there wasn't any sort of chronological sort of order to uh, me watching it. I know I stopped watching long before they switched the animation to Flash, um, so we still have a ways to get to that point. I will say that... I did not recognize either of the episodes we watched this week, um, but that doesn't mean it w- I stopped at this season because I recognized both of last week's episodes, right? So yeah. I'm not sure when we're really going to truly get to uncharted waters, uh, but definitely everything Flash and on, I, I not only have I not even seen those episodes out of context, I basically haven't seen any of those episodes, period. Um so that's definitely a hard full stop when I stopped watching. Okay. Uh, and a question for both of us. Uh, are there any upcoming episodes that you've seen or heard about that you're excited to get to? I'm excited for your thoughts on the upcoming episodes as well as the final episode of season nine. Both episodes in the last episode of season nine, of season something are special too, but for very different reasons. Um, so basically the ones that I know through memes, like... The Neil Gaiman episode, I know that there's an episode coming up about autism, which I have promised to a guest from the show, Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I am looking forward to talking about the Flash animation in more detail. Yeah, there's a couple of those Flash animation episodes that I've only heard tell, like, uh, when you say knowing about episodes from memes, there's that one where Binky hears the music. Oh, yeah, um, that one, too. Excited to see that one. I, I want to see the one where Buster starts a podcast, obviously. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. Buster's, like, doing br- Bane impressions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I also saw that you guys made a, a video, a uh, podcast, actually, about Rough Ruffman currently not on patreon but i'm happy you're discussing that show is that an arthur were my favorites when i was younger and i feel that many do not talk about fetch i also consider it to be pretty bold for a pbs kids show in the sense that it had both animated and live action elements that had to work together to make the show work well lisa uh, sorry you can't join us over on patreon but yes our most recent episode of our pbs podcast is talking about fetch with rough ruffman and that was a lot of fun 
And I think if you're wondering about what our next show is that we're going to cover, we'll tell you at the end of this one. That's one I'm really looking forward to. But again, that's over on our Patreon. You can check it out there. Our last one comes in from, speaking of patrons, Rachel Pearson with another take on the animal hierarchy. I know this has been discussed to heck and back on this show, but I had a conversation recently-ish that I thought was relevant to the ongoing debate. In January, I hosted a watch party for an anime called Princess Tutu, highly recommended by the way, as it is a lot more serious and artsy than the name might suggest. In that universe, as a result of otherworldly meddling, a number of characters are anthropomorphized animals, much like what might appear in a fairy tale. This includes the main character, who is a duck transformed into a human girl. Not only is this treated as completely normal, pointing out someone else's animal nature is seemingly considered rude. However, my friends started discussing the animal hierarchy when a human character is seen riding a non-anthropomorphized horse, wondering how such a thing is not considered slavery. Personally, animal hierarchies in fiction have never bothered me. It never seemed odd that in fictional universes, there would be an understood difference between a version of the animal that was sapient and one that wasn't. And when I was discussing it with my friends, it occurred to me that this isn't really that different from our own society. We humans are also animals, just ones with a higher level of brain function that we believe separates us from the others and grants us dominion over them. Animals in the Princess Tutu universe, or the Arthur universe for that matter, make the same distinction, but just apply it to a greater variety of species. So when Arthur said that cats were stupid, Sue Ellen and Jenna likely wouldn't be offended more than we would if Arthur described chimpanzees as smelly, loud apes. Humans are technically apes, sure, but we don't think of ourselves as apes in that way, and we'd have no reason to think that Arthur does either. So Ellen and Jenna would probably be more offended at the suggestion that they are the same as Nemo, much like we are, if called apes, except as an objective descriptor. It associates us with a lesser, more primitive version of ourselves. We already saw this in action, given that the kids would refer to Ratburn as a rat, as an insult. So there's a confusing point in the great animal hierarchy discussion. Our, new, our own arbitrary animal hierarchy is the reason their animal hierarchy seems strange to us in the first place. Uh, I never want to see animal hierarchy ever again. I, uh, wow. I, 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 we, have we, how many episodes in of Elwood City Limits are we? Hun- what, what episode is this? 120 something. I feel it only took 120 episodes, like four years. I think we've, I think we've. Cracked the animal hierarchy. That's a. I think it's a really good point, and uh, I've I never really looked at it that way. So basically, you know, I I, I never I never thought of the idea of you know us compared to apes, and then uh, let's say lesser cats compared to you know the cats in the Arthur universe. So I think that that was a, that was a really good way to put it. And you can uh, put things in whatever way you want to over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Thanks to everybody for your emails. It's really good to get in touch with you, especially after the way that uh, things have been. And it's also really good to stay in touch with our patrons, which we've been doing over on our ECL Discord this week. It's been really good to hear from everybody and kind of touch base. And uh, you can be one of our patrons, too, just like Aaron DeFilippo, Alex, Andrew Power, Caitlin Harrington, Chandler LeFave Boten, Christine Wong, Sierra S., uh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K., Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Josias Melendez, Kat, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Lily W., uh, brand new patron, Lily W., Macy Ball, Madow Media, Marlo Stanfield, Matt, Melissa Avales. 
Milan, Michaela Gibson, Pretty Cool Stairs, Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, Shelby Eaton Dawkins Law, Stella Teresa, William, William Minnesota, and our newest uh, patrons as well, Wombat and Yoshi. Thanks, everybody. And now, let's get into it. It's Season 9, Episode 6 of Arthur, and we're starting with, hey, would you look at that? Another Arthur episode. It's Arthur Makes Waves. So this one, very, very soon off the bat. I mean, well, we'll get into it in a second. This one is starts off with a documentary made by Buster called Trouble in the Sandbox, which people are viewing in like a theater. So he's talking yeah. talking about since the I- dawn of time, there have been rifts between different cliques of kids. Uh, this was great. Uh, this has everything you want from sort of the best of Arthur cold opens in terms of, you know, we have the character Ferris Buellering addressing the screen. Uh, we have like a super high concept, uh, like we're seeing the kids in uh, uh, prehistoric times. We're seeing the kids in the Old West. Um, we have like a running gag with kind of Muffy always being unimpressed with her outfit. Um, and then we have kind of a cliffhanger at the very end. Uh, so it's got kind of everything you want from a cold open in terms of like, it's wacky and kind of out there, but it also kind of hooks you and gets you excited for the episode to follow. Some great looks in here as well. Um, especially when, Oh, this, this whole, these two episodes right here, like all of uh, both Arthur makes waves and it came from beyond, um, specifically actually in Arthur makes waves, great outfits all around everybody's got their summer outfits on um and everybody from rattles to molly to um i think uh, muffy shows up in like a pink polo later on buster everyone's got their their summer best yeah and uh with this cold open you get looks from across the years we've got you know the caveman looks we've got the farmer looks which are all right and then we get to the 50s looks uh loved the tough greasers yeah, that was so great. And then, like, when when we see the farmers, uh, Arthur is doing like this farmer act, this this like old west ath- accent. Yeah, um, it's it's all good. And uh, Arthur's little checkered shirt that he has under his sweater instead of uh, you know his nor- his normal kind of look. I've really liked that too. And he's kind of got like a like a a button up sweater, not a pullover, to kind of go along no. with fashion of the time. No, yeah, he's dripping. So. The real episode starts when it's so hot outside, Arthur and DW are trying to find relief, and then, uh, uh-oh, the community pool is closed, and then it's time for an Arthur meme alert, DW looking through the chain link fence. Oh, I, w- I, I don't think I've seen that one before. Really? It's been, yeah. it's been like, you know, um, you know, when all your friends having fun and you're just at home and stuff like that. Oh, hey, very uh, timely. Oh, you know what? I have seen this, like, yeah, now that I'm pausing at it with the sunglasses. Yes. That's... Yes, it's very Eric Andre. Let me in. <laughs> uh, so they're they're desperately trying to find relief. So they're going over th- the options that they have. One of the, which is, uh, you know, the Tibbles just got a new pool, and there's a great exchange here where it's like Tibbles, water, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of weighing the pros and cons of that. I thought that was really good. And it turns out it's just a, yeah. it's just a kiddie pool that, of course, the Tibbles cannonball into. A good quick cost-benefit analysis. Uh, They try other options, including Muffy's pool, which almost works, except they both have to paddle Muffy around in her swan boat, and DW's legs aren't long enough. 
Uh, they go to Grandma Thora because their option there is to go through the sprinkler, but which isn't quite the pool. So instead, Grandma takes them to like the community, not a community, the senior center pool, which uh, is not qu- doesn't quite work either because the seniors are aquasizing, um, which is funny because like do do you, do you ever know anybody who did like aquasize? My dad used to do it all the time. Yeah, when I was a kid, we used to go to the local sportsplex. By the way, have you been to the renovated sportsplex? I haven't, actually. Oh, it's incredible. It's like a whole new building. Anyway, growing up, the community pool, uh, I was a regular, um, and there was always old ladies aquasizing up in there. And, of course, this this isn't really refreshing to them because the water is incredibly warm in order to, you know, uh, benefit the seniors. And so they're just... Like, you want to try something else? And they're like, okay. And then, like, one of my favorite visual gags is they're doing, like, the, like, uh, you know, arm to the left, arm to the right, arm to the left, arm to the right. And DW and Arthur just kind of arm to the left, arm to the right out of the <laughs> out of the shot. It really yeah, made they're me not... laugh. <laughs> uh, so they actually managed to stumble upon a pool that is apparently owned by James. Uh, James. Oh, so so we can't. I sorry to pull you back here, Will. What's up? But before we get to this, I don't want to miss th- Slim Pickens this week for the throwaway character of the week. But we do <laughs> have one, um, and that would be uh, before they decide to go to James's pool. They try the library because oh, yeah. it has air conditioning, and this is where we meet uh, a character where I'm sure he's got a real name, but for now I'm just going to refer to him as Jorts Rabbit. <laughs> um, it is a rabbit wearing jorts. J Rabbit. Uh, yeah, Jay Rabbit indeed, uh, and he warns them that the library's air conditioning is broken. Um, very angular features, like a diamond-shaped head in a way that's kind of different than the other rabbit characters. But yet, yeah, here he is rocking those jorts. Jorts, rabbits. <laughs> and and for lack of a better pick, he is officially the throwaway character of the week. Uh, I, I'm just going to be saying jorts, rabbit, and chuckling to myself uh, for the next day and a half, I think. <laughs> It's almost like a slur, like not a slur, but like a swear. Like you stub your toe, you're like, George Rabbit. <laughs> I, yeah. You know what? That, I think that's why I like it. <laughs> da, George, dog, oh, George Rabbit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stomping on my cowboy hat. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Um, so they eventually do find a pool that's owned by James, as I said, who is uh, DW's. Um, classmate from school who was in a recent episode where she was trying to uh get him to kiss her uh so and there's even a bit of continuity there of of just like they meet him at the fence and just like can we swim in your pool and james is like are you gonna kiss me again and dw's like no so they managed to get permission to the pool uh the old the old my mom called your mom thing so as long as arthur swims and dw can swim too but then it turns out we have a new uh, twist in the canon. James has a sister, and it's Molly from the Tough Customers. Did you see this coming? Because this was this was one of the great sort of Arthur uh, switcheroo. Like I was really surprised. A Vince Russo era swerve. Yeah, this is quite the swerve. Um, I actually did. I I know that there is a focus on James in a later episode about the relationship between James and Molly. So, uh, but yeah, I was wondering when we would kind of get to exciting. that. Exciting. Yeah, Molly and James are indeed siblings, and Molly is not at all impressed with Arthur being there, and she even uses the phrase uh, "a world of pain." So you know, she says, "If you step foot in that pool, you're entering a world of pain," and we get a like we get a flashback. I swear. I've seen this somewhere. 
I've seen um, it, it, it goes back to like you know Molly on the Jungle Gym and just like if you step foot up here you're entering a world of pain or Arthur going for a cupcake like you take that cupcake etc I mean not only the fact that it sounds like you know that line from the Big Lebowski but uh, <laughs> I swear I've seen that somewhere else and I can't think of where but it's it's pretty funny Arthur my, Arthur my friend you're entering a world of pain if you step in yeah. that swimming pool you're entering a world of pain <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I'll, I'll, yeah, but I wasn't over. Molly threatens them at first, and then gets on the phone with Rattles to complain about it. And Love Molly's room, by the way. Yes, uh, little little. Did you did you notice anything about Molly's room? Uh, nothing in particular, but just like cool, like early two thousands teenager room. Beanbag chair. Exactly. So Molly like puts a hose in the in the pool and kind of segments off a smaller part of it for the three of them to go to be in. Um, so they make the most of it. Um, they do a thing where like Arthur creates a plank for DW to walk. DW does the Luigi Smash Brothers dive to the pool, which I liked. Um, the B, the B, the B for the B forward. Yeah, he's she's doing a flare flop, or or the uh, the thing that Santana does uh, on AEW, the like uh, right the pl- right right the plank right. drop. Yeah, coffin drop. Yes. Oh no no. Uh, yeah, well, I guess similar similar enough. Yeah. Um, so they eventually do a do a thing where they it's like one of those splashing things where you like you put your hands together and you create like a bit of water. I've never been able to do that. Yeah, I too have never been able to do this. I uh, people in my family could do it, uh but I have never learned kind of the 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 technique involved of the thumb spraying water trick. Mm-hmm. So eventually, little by little, uh in a little bit of a montage they warm up to each other, Arthur and Molly. In fact, Arthur teaches her how to do the the hand thing. They kind of mess around and have some fun. And hey, it actually turns out that they kind of like each other. Uh, so they go to get ice cream at the Sugar Bowl when Rattles walks in. Um, and almost... So the whole idea of this is that the two of them are in completely different friend groups. And they can never, ever be seen together, essentially. Uh, Molly almost gets caught here, but Arthur with the pro strat of the year. So he's coming back with like two cone, two ice cream cones. Hands him like he sees what he clocks what's up. Hands it to Molly, and then is like, "I'm sorry, that's all I could get with my allowance. Please don't beat me up. This was smooth." Oh yeah, no, we get a lot of like these. There, there's a lot of speech checks in this episode, <laughs> and Arthur and Molly are rolling nat twenties, or so we think at first. It seems that way. Um, I it was it was here that I realized kind of what this episode was about. I got to be honest, I I like these types of episodes, but I also get really stressed by the trope of like the enemies have to pretend not to be friends. Yeah, and I I I I. I not to get too in front of myself here, I do really like this episode, and I feel like I've been harping on Arthur a lot lately for kind of some episodes reminding me too much of older episodes, and I think that's really unfair because we're not we're watching this show in a way that like no kid would in terms of like by the time a kid that was probably like seven was watching those first what season are we on now nine nine we're at a completely different generation of kids yes. Uh, now watching this show for the first time that weren't watching it for those first three seasons. So there probably isn't a need for them to um, try and not kind of repeat themselves too much. Um, This is kind of a unique problem to the format of our show. 
Uh, that all being said, this did kind of seem like well-worn territory that we've seen with kind of Binky and his relationship with the tough customers in terms of he's friends with the kids, but he's also friends with the tough customers. Um, but I don't want to criticize this episode for that too much because it's not quite the same. Um, I will just say, though, that it did it did remind me of that. Um, Binky's, Binky's always kind of existed in a gray area. So, yeah, it seems like a little bit of well-worn territory, but the... The positive is, is that we're focusing on Molly, which right. I think you and I both wanted in earlier episodes. So I'm happy to be getting that however we get it. Um, so the Arthur kind of almost gets caught like his friend, uh, uh, his friends notice him hanging out with Molly in the open. And um, <laughs> there's a really great line here. So it's like Muffy Brain, Francine and Buster talking about it in the treehouse. And um, Buster's like, well, maybe they were arm wrestling. Uh, this is when Arthur and Molly are like playing soccer and um, <laughs> uh, Muffy goes, it's like, you can't arm wrestle standing up. And then for some reason, this really tickled me. The brain says, she's right. You need a table. Yeah. Like th- th- this made me laugh as well. Just like tr- brain mansplaining arm wrestling. He's like, ah, uh, yeah, you, d- this is brain's one line in both of these episodes. It's like, yeah, you do need a table. It's like, thanks for your, your, ex- that's <laughs> yeah, really like a, a true, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson energy of what was that tweet that Neil deGrasse Tyson made recently where everyone was like, duh, dude. Oh, he was like marriage story should have been called divorce story. <sighs> I, for, I think I did see that. What a, uh, what a, what a, what a consistent groaner that guy is. <laughs> um, so yeah, essentially the rest of the episode is Arthur and Molly getting into these situations where like. You know, Molly walks in the kitchen just like, hey, Arthur, I got your ball. And then Buster's there and is like, what? And she's like, don't, like, stop leaving it in my yard. Like, they basically have to keep up appearances when around everybody else. But they are enjoying each other's company as friends. It's 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 actually really sweet. Like, nothing – it's kind of interesting the, the way this episode the, – the route this episode takes. Because when I've seen this in other cartoons, eventually what happens is, like, oh, you know, they come to a disagreement and – they both go back to each other's side and they're not friends anymore. But it, that kind of doesn't happen here. It's it's actually just kind of allowed to be. Nothing. And not only do do does does Arthur and Molly sort of become closer, it ends up bringing sort of the different respective other groups of friends closer. So that was kind of one of my big favorite points of the episode is the perspective kind of switches from following Arthur and DW and Molly to kind of following Arthur's friends and, and Molly's friends kind of starting to notice their changes of behavior a little bit more. And it, it, you start to realize that they're catching on uh, more than Arthur and Molly realize in terms of it seems like they're they're buying it hook, line, and sinker, but they all are getting very suspicious about what's going on. And that manifests itself in kind of an anxiety that sort of Arthur is going to start acting like one of the tough customers and that Molly is going to start acting like uh, a member of Arthur's group. What I loved about this was like, uh, yes, so we get like examples of like the worst case scenario of like Arthur suddenly being like tough and mean, but the tough customers apparently think that Arthur's group of friends are like giant nerds because yes, the picture this I this is my highlight of both of these episodes was this moment right here where they the tough customers are sitting around uh pontificating about like okay what would Molly be like if she becomes like Arthur's friends and their idea of what like Arthur the gang does all day is what do they what does she say she's like let's name all the state capitals that's it yeah <laughs> Yeah, so she's in, like, this frilly pink dress, and she's like, come on, guys, let's name all the state capitals. 
<laughs> just that the, the, they're complete wieners that that love to yeah. learn, which is not true, but it's funny what their um, what their perception of them is because we always see the kind of the tough customers from the outside of like these kind of street toughs, but we never know how Arthur and his friends are kind of perceived by others. So oh yeah, so yeah. two more fit checks now that I'm looking at everybody. Oh sure. So the two two biggest fits of the episode. DW, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Muffy is killing it with her pig polo. She's dressed like Tyler the Creator or something, <laughs> like all the pastels, the matching school shoes. It looks awesome. I see it. And then uh, Binky literally just looks like a guy who works at Good Robot Brewery with his like <laughs> off green uh, shirt tucked into his his you know probably Levi's five hundred one stonewashed denim pants. Uh, Binky looks like he just walked in from North End Halifax. Poor Slink, he doesn't get he doesn't get summertime clothes. Even Rattles gets a clothes gets a change, but <laughs> Rattles is like silly. Rattles is dressed like an elementary schooler with just like all <laughs> like Under Armour like active wear, yeah, and and like matching colors. Yeah, exactly. There's a great part. So both groups kind of come together and are just like you know we don't want like our friend hanging around with your friend. Oh yeah, well we don't want you know. So they all go to Muff to Molly's place, and of course. Wouldn't be wouldn't be the tough customers without getting some quality rattles time. Uh, one of my favorite lines is one of my favorite line reads is uh, rattles busting into Molly's backyard, just going "Where's Arthur?" <laughs> like Joey Wheeler. It's great. Uh, so Molly kind of smooths over the situation by saying that, "Oh yeah, Arthur doesn't." hang out here anymore and that's that's enough to satisfy everybody in fact binky's like let's get a milkshake to celebrate and everybody just kind of walks off together it's like it and and the message being like it's so great that we didn't end up becoming friends yeah i love this ending i thought this was like a nice funny like kind of uh uh very cheeky self-aware ending where it's like if you're a kid, you might not catch the moral here, but the moral of the story is they are, they're all just kind of friends. And then Arthur and DW come back to Molly's uh, because the community pool is open again, but they but they are there to uh, to hang out, and they still kind of keep up appearances, but the, the implication is that they both like each other. So I thought, and that's where the episode ends, I thought that that was a very nice note to put on. Very unusual in that they're seemingly lasting like canon to this episode but i guess we'll have to wait and see all right before we dive into the next part of arthur we're just going to take a quick break here and then we will be right back after that to talk about well it's another kate and pal episode hey everybody it's lucas from the elwood city limits podcast and if you love ecl there's a couple of ways to keep up with us you could go to facebook.com slash elwood city limits at ecl podcast that's our twitter we take questions on tumblr it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new uh, bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review, you can check out patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. 
you can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Okay, another Kate and Pal episode, as I said before the break, and it's called It Came From Beyond. Uh, well, Kate, Pal, and someone else. That's right. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm, I, I got to admit, I have a little bit of softer heart for puppies these days. Again, because of TikTok, because, there's, uh, because now the algorithm knows that I like watching videos of puppies. So now I see the beginning, the cold open of this episode where it's a rainy night outside. Grandma Thor is reading Edgar Allan Poe. And she goes out to the front porch and there's a dog underneath her rocking chair out there who is very standoffish, very, uh, you know, very, you know, growling at her, but is also very cold and scared. It's a thunderstorm. So Grandma Thora leaves the door open in case the dog wants to come in. And the dog does come in and sleep sleeps over the night. The dog is very cute. It's a it's kind of a poo, um what do you what do you think the breed is here on this dog? I think the implication is it's just like a butt. Mm. It seems like it's almost I think we've seen, the funny thing is I think we've seen kids who are this breed of dog. <laughs> like Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? Forget what I said at the start of the episode about we figured out the animal hierarchy. I forgot all of that stuff in that very smart person said in their email and now I'm confused. She, again. You, uh, so the dog's name is Killer. It kind of looks similar to Prunella in a couple of ways. Oh, yeah. Same kind of ears, same beady eyes. Grandma Thora um, you know, Killer's very standoffish, um, uh, very, very barky, very angry. Uh, but uh, Grandma Thora feeds her um, uh, old beef stroganoff. Now, Lucas, can dogs eat noodles? Is that okay for them? Um, they can eat rice, which are like tiny noodles. Cause, uh, cause... I, 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 it's probably not great, but it's not like they. Yeah, short answer: yes, dogs can eat noodles. Okay. All right, just wanted to make sure. No, it's not like the times we've seen Pal chowing down on chocolate ice cream. Uh, So Grandma Thora puts up some lost dog posters, or found dog posters, and uh, is taking Killer for a walk. They run into Nemo, who is kind of up to his old tricks of just... Well, so before we get into this, Will, I gotta know. You know, you're probably number one Pal fan on the block. Yes. You're a big Pal guy, as they would say. Uh, initial thoughts on you only get one chance to make a first impression. Initial thoughts on Killer. I think Killer's adorable. I think Killer is great, and I I think Killer's wonderful. And I think that it's it's actually part of this scene here where it like it all came full circle of just like oh Killer's cute, a little mean though. So I was like oh, okay, but then. Nemo and Killer talk to each other in their like English voices, and Killer has got this adorable, this twee little voice of just like, oh yeah, would like, do you want you want some of this kitty? And it's like, oh, it's so cute. Which is part of the thing is that you know her name is Killer. She looks very cute. She speaks very softly, but she also is very tough. 
I'm glad we're on the same page about this. Killer is super, super cute, and uh, I'm glad to I'm glad to know her. Yeah, no, Killer Killer rules. I wrote my first two notes of this episode are I love Killer and I love Nemo. I'm also it's good to see from Nemo again. I li- I like you know how incredulous and like snooty Nemo is. You're you're a big fan of the Alan Rickman of cats, ne- Nemo. Oh my gosh, yes the king a king amongst animals so so the idea is is that you know for such a small cute dog killer is very very tough and mean so uh, arthur and dw come over to visit killer is very aggressive and uh, and she meets pal for the first time um the, and this is where i mean unfortunately because i'm you know almost 30 years old and i'm watching this you know you know children's cartoon i'm wondering why killers like this because they never talk about why um other than the fact that she is a stray so probably has to be aggressive uh but they do mention later that she's had you know she's been to quite a few uh like foster homes and stuff like that so i'm i can't help but think killer's behavior could potentially be because of some abusive situation but i'm hoping not it might not even be a straight up abuse neglect right like just the fact that uh, uh, I would like to think probably on, on, well, we have no idea. This is kind of just what we're bringing to this story, but I would say that, um, even just kind of being astray or, or hopping around houses, you know, not having that kind of consistent family unit is probably what contributes to killers standoffish behavior. That's probably true. Uh, antisocial behavior as well. She and pal, like she kind of, uh, plays nice with pal for a little bit, but then gets in close and, and, uh, plays rough with him. Um, uh, so she can't really be around people. She can't be around other dogs. Pal kind of makes up this dramatic story that he oversells to Kate and uh, Amigo later um, to kind of get over how, how mean this dog is. In fact, uh, Grandma Thora brings her by, brings Killer by at this point, and Amigo goes over to say hi, and Killer straight up bites Amigo on the paw. L- little, yeah, it's, l- it's, little violent. It's... <laughs> no, Killer, Killer's out here wilding. Uh, so they apologize to Mr. Mel- uh, Melina, and then at that point, there is no choice. Grandma Thora has to take her to the, um, to the animal shelter, and it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, as soon as she brings in Killer, like, the guy at the front desk drops his pencil and, like, puts his gloves on, just like, uh-oh, she's back. So apparently Killer's been brought in several times, um, and has never been able to stay with a family. This, I also wasn't crazy about so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna come down on them on you know the writers of this episode or anything like that it's just that you know it's funny thinking about it you know when i was a kid especially watching a lot of cartoons around animals the idea is that there is there is not so much an animal shelter but there's the pound so dogs go to the pound and then depending on the cartoon you're watching it's like well the dogs at the pound for too long they kill them uh, or at least that's the implication. And so here, it, I don't think it comes down either way, but it very much likens the the part of the of the shelter where Killer goes to is like for the for the lifers. Like she she gets put next to this like tough dog that's like, yeah, this is the for the ones who stay here forever. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a prison analogy, right? Well, like, yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm not crazy about animal shelters being likened to like prisons, but I. But I don't think that they're saying that they're not making a hard and fast thing. This is like a very special circumstance. And I'm sure that there are animal shelters that are similar to this. I just feel like through Arthur and like a lot of other cartoons, 
the idea is that the like animal shelter equals pound pound equals animal jail which from my experience at least these days is not really true well i mean i mean it's not to say in, 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 in my, the, in in the my sense, experience which is not to say that it isn't true to some degree well i mean it, it's just literally like the sense that they're in an enclosed space right like i think that it just like visually like there's bars and, and they're locked in and so it, it visually resembles a jail um, I don't think it's supposed to be like an indictment on the treatment of the animals, but I think it's like an, it's it's like it's the same thing of of like there's a lot of jail imagery in like Toy Story three when the the toys go to the uh, oh god it's been a while since the, I've watched like, that movie like the but, daycare yeah exactly I think it's like it, it, we all know that a day a daycare is not a jail but that's kind of that's kind of what they're they're using it in place of right so I I think that's why you see. Um, Obviously, a dog would rather be at a home uh, than at a uh, animal shelter, and I think that's why you kind of see it uh, represented like that in fiction. Yeah, it's a it's it's a familiar uh, a familiar uh, shorthand. So I understand it, and I'm not saying I'm against it. It's just it's a it's a little weird today. That's all. Uh, but thankfully, we don't have to be there for too long because Grandma Thora. Uh, rescues killer from the from the animal shelter and takes her back home, but is very firm that there has to be some changes in killer's behavior, which seems to be like there's no montage of Grandma Thora training her or anything. It's like killer like understands what's going on and immediately decides to be a better person. So she tries to win back the affections of Amigo and Pal, who are w- w- definitely not going to trust her. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we have, you know, I think this whole sequence of, of Killer trying to win over Amigo and Pal uh, is pretty succinctly subbed up by Pal himself, who, who has a great line about, um, you know, we have a saying, you can't teach an old person new tricks, and the same counts for animals. Yeah, that was, that was, that was all right. I kind of liked that. Um, they also, I mean, Killer's voice, they picked the perfect voice for Killer to make you feel sorry for her. Because when she's trying to be nice, it's it's like, the, it's it's just close enough to like, hello, like, like, yeah. like don't, oh, don't you're saying... you like me. Like, it's, if, if, if it were done <laughs> a little, if it were laid on a bit thicker, it would be too much. It's perfect where it is. This is how I know you've been watching the TikToks, is you're saying that Killer's putting her two uh, sort of pointer figures together, uh, curving in their feet and going, ooh. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm shy. <laughs> um, there's actually a moment where Killer like brings a ball over to Pal and Kate, and I, I really thought we were going to get a, a thing here where like Mom sees Killer and it's just like, no, get her away from the baby, like, f- like freaking out, because that's what I would be doing. Um. But, yeah, Killer's having a really hard time uh, winning them over and then just decides to kind of leave. She gives Grandma Thora's hand one last lick and she and she leaves. Uh, it's around this time that uh, Nemo gets stuck in a tree outside Francine's apartment complex. Francine's spending the afternoon like a true 2014 reading a magazine and listening to her disc man. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, so she can't hear Nemo as he's meowing from the tree. Um, so he's trying to get the attention. He like, tries to get the attention of Buster, but then it starts raining. Oh, this is the other highlight of these two episodes for me is he's like, it's that cat saving kid. <laughs> and Buster like completely misses him. Uh, yeah. And, um, so eventually he come, um, 
killer walks by and you know earlier nemo i uh, i like called her a squirrel i think like earlier yeah, in the I episode remember. like insulted her basically so now she's his only hope so killer uh you know against against her you know better judgment decides to help nemo and in fact killer can be so mean that she gets in the middle of the street and stares down a fire truck which immediately stops <laughs> Which, thank goodness. And uh, gets Nemo out of the tree. And Amigo hears this story from the two Dalmatian dogs that were with the, uh, um, that were with the fire truck. They had, they had like, rhyming names, and I forget. I didn't write them down. No, I, too, don't remember I keep wanting to say the... I keep wanting to say Skip and Zip, but that's, like, the body Donnas from the WWF. <laughs> it's, like, you know, I don't know. Something, something rhymy. So they decide that maybe they've misjudged Killer, and they decide to welcome her into the neighborhood by offering offering her a bone that pal and amigo were fighting over earlier that pal thinks is ham but amigo is certain like it's lamb and it was mine which i thought was a funny read and so they're all and so they're all friends and that's how the episode ends they're gonna go bury the bone in the neighbor's yard huh two episodes about sort of uh unlikely friends yeah Actually, yeah, yeah, burying wow. the hatchet, new friendships. We have we've returned to the thematic. Cons- that was always fun in those first three seasons. Kind of, they would kind of have a loose connection between the two episodes. Uh, I would like to see more uh, kind of episode pairings like that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they do it, and sometimes they don't, or maybe they always do it, and we've just noticed this time. Hard mm. to say. All right, so let's go back to Arthur makes waves. Uh, I think. I think we probably both fall on the same side of this, but what'd you think? Uh, I liked Arthur Makes Waves quite a bit. Um, even though it, the, my main criticism of it was that it was kind of, you know, well-worn territory with kind of Binky living that double life. Um, but I thought it executed it in a really, really good way in terms of the, I was hooked from the cold open, which is always a great start. Um, Molly is slowly becoming almost not quite Binky tier, but she has a, 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 a I think... One of the big things that was interesting about Binky was his character growth um, and sort of uncovering new layers for Binky. And now I think we've gotten to the point where we kind of what we see is what we get with Binky. We kind of know what his deal is. So I think Molly's been an interesting kind of uh, new uh, uh, exercise in in character development. And, And she's been ascending up my internal rankings of favorite Arthur characters. Both, you know, the fashion, her attitude, and just getting to know her more. So that was really cool. I loved the twist of of knowing she's related to uh, DW's classmate. Um, and I loved watching sort of Arthur's whole crew and the tough customers interact. So it was a good episode. I agree. Uh, on Molly and on the episode, I think Molly's a, a really a, a character that we can still kind of dig into a bit more. So I'm excited to... Uh, to, to do just that. I liked this. It was kind of, it's an atypical sort of episode. Like I like I said before, you kind of, these episodes kind of tend to end in the same way, but this one didn't even really have a conclusive ending. It just sort of stops. It's like they're still friends. Um, they're still kind of keeping it a secret. So it's not like, you it's, know. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a Seinfeld ending or something. Like everybody's like, let's go not be friends together at the Sugar Bowl. And that's it. 
So I, I appreciate that this kind of implies that this friendship will continue on, uh, which I think it, I, I don't know if I would have liked it as much if it would have ended with them not being friends or like inventing a reason for that. So I liked that. I liked that, you know, they get to stay friendly with each other. I guess it's an interesting message that, uh, you know, sometimes you have to keep up social appearances, but you can you know, like people you're not supposed to like. And also sometimes you see this a lot with like romantic subplots, but this wasn't romantic at all. It's just like they just enjoy each other's company a lot. So it was, I I think especially now it was a very positive episode to watch. So it was a real, a real easy 12 minutes. It also got me looking forward to summer, uh, through, through most of it. And then we have, uh, uh, shit. Uh, it came. It came from beyond. Uh, it came from beyond. Yes. And then it was. Uh, it came from beyond. I like this one too. Um, I think if I didn't like Killer so much, then this episode definitely wouldn't be as good. There's again not a whole lot to it. It's like Killer's mean, but then decides not to be, and then tries to win the affections of the other dogs. And it's like okay, well that's whatever. But the Killer voice performance is so good and her design is so adorable that you really want to see her like succeed. So I think they did really well in that part. Again, there's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's one of the more substantive Arthur episodes, but it was a lot of fun to watch. And um, yeah, just very, very cute. And also, like I said, kind of hit the, the, the vibe I've been in lately of like puppy videos. I'm like, Oh, look at the puppy make friends. So very light and cute and fun. Yeah, as as an episode as a whole, I don't think it was super memorable, but I think as an introduction to Killer, I think Killer is a good addition to sort of, we have this kind of secondary, there's kind of three Arthur crews right now, like three types of Arthur episodes you're going to get. You're either going to get Arthur and his whole squad, you're going to get DW and the preschool people, or you're going to get a, a Kate and Pal episode. And I think um, the Kate and Pal episodes was the ones that have become most stagnant, like there was the least they could do with them. So I think that Killer is a, is a good addition, and I hope they utilize Killer well in future episodes kind of to inject something new into that the Kate and Pal format. Exactly. Yeah, I'm all for it. Really hope we see more of Killer. I hope Killer doesn't go away. And I hope you don't go away either. That's the end of this episode of Elwood City Limits, but we've got a lot more coming up. Hey, we uh, in some in some regards, we got nothing but time. Lucas and I still have work, but I think we, we can definitely make, make time for the two podcasts that we're doing right now. So we've got another episode of ECL coming up. But before that, of course, next week, it's back to the still kind of untitled PBS Kids podcast. Hey, if you've got a suggestion, even if you're not a patron, you can uh, feel free to send us those. Uh, on our social media or elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite PBS Kids shows, and we're finally reviving the... the, It would have been the third April Fool's Day episode until we stopped doing them, uh, Telebuddies. We're talking about Teletubbies next week. Yeah, I think, again... 
That'll be a, a welcome sort of. You can't get much more otherworldly and escape like <laughs> than Teletubbies. So, uh, looking forward to it. I'm hoping it feels like a nice, warm hug. So, uh, patrons, if you haven't yet, give us your suggestions for which episodes, which episode of Teletubbies we should talk about. The weirdest, the funniest, the strangest, the cutest, whichever one, we will take it into consideration. And then the week after that, we are going to be back with another episode of Elwood City Limits. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the episodes 3 is a crowd and A is for angry. I, I have no idea. Interesting. Not me neither. I I also I also should say, you know, we, um, a lot of my favorite content providers have been putting out uh, lots of extra content as well, given that a lot of us have more time on our hands, including a lot of our listeners. So there's one more piece of ECL content that hasn't made its way to the main feed that I was going to save for maybe the summer, but given the circumstances... Keep your eyes on the main feed in the next couple of weeks, and I'm gonna watch this space, watch this web zone. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little something. It's a little something that <laughs> was previously available to patrons, but will now be available to everyone, so that you can have a little bit of extra time with me and Lucas. But we're, we're still gonna be making these episodes, and we're gonna try to make them as funny and entertaining as possible. And of course, with episodes like these, it's all too easy. So for that, we wish you all the best. Be safe, be healthy, and uh, try to keep yourself on the positive side. We're going to be all right. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... She's right. You need a table. <laughs> it's I think, it might just be the best line, so you kind of just got to go with it. All the best, everybody. <laughs>